We're in a series called Forward in Faith, and we're learning what it means to be a discipler, a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, so important in our lives. And in this series, we're using the word forward as our outline, and it stands for this, follow, obey, reach, worship, abide, resist, and disciple. So far, we've learned what it means to follow Christ, the blessing that comes from obeying Christ, how to reach others for Christ. All of these are so important. How to worship Christ by beholding him so we can become like him. Just like we did today, right? So today I'm speaking on the importance of abiding and learning to abide has been just a lifelong process for me. It is for all of us. And after I became a Christian, you know, I had occasional glimpses of God's presence in in just a profound and powerful way, but I always was yearning for more. I wanted more. That's the cry of my heart. I still want more. I want to abide in his presence. I don't want to just occasionally experience his presence. Today was amazing, but if this is all we have after all week long, Church, we need him every moment of every day, every second of our lives. So God heard the cry of my heart. He hears the cry of your heart. Those who hunger and thirst will be filled, right? And in 1979, he led my husband and me to Shady Grove Church. Now, Pastor Olin and Sybil are here today, and we honor you. Thank them for being here. They did not know I was preaching on this, and I did not know that they were coming. But I am telling you right now, everything you just experienced and everything you experience week after week after week, they discipled us in this. They taught us this. Thank you. From the bottom of our hearts. Because what you did in us has now affected so many others, and I know that duplicates itself all over the world but we are so thankful so god heard the cry of my heart the first time i walked into shady grove church and we had been going to churches and visiting churches i knew immediately i was home listen it wasn't because of how friendly the people were or how good the sermons were and they were good (laughs) i I had to add that since you're here but no i was going to say it anyways (laughs) and the talent it wasn't because of the talented musicians or the excellent children's ministry it was because of the presence of god in that place That is what our hearts were yearning for. It was because of God from the first note. (laughs) It's like today. From the first note on the keyboard to the last word of the sermon, God was there. You could feel him. I could feel him, sense him, hear him. Everyone in there could. The atmosphere was just charged with the power of the Holy Spirit. I will settle for nothing less. Nothing less. All over that sanctuary, you could feel God being exalted. And you could see his glory through the heartfelt praise and worship. The church grew rapidly. It grew. Not 
just because the church was following growth principles, uh, but because they were following God's presence. I, I remember when Pastor Joe would ask Pastor Owen, the reason for the growth of the church, I've seen this happen. I've seen Joe ask him, and I've seen Pastor Owen go, you know what? I, I don't know. It's just God. It's just God. All the glory goes to God. And, and the leaders of that church, they knew growth principles. They did. But it was the presence of God that drew people to Shady Grove Church. It wasn't the growth principles that changed their lives. It wasn't the growth principles that made the difference. Principles alone are powerless to transform a heart or a hurting soul. If you've been ever changed by a principle, raise your hand. I know, nobody's raising their hand. Principles alone, they cannot speak to the agony of divorce or abuse or sickness or failure or disappointment or shame or fear, but God can. And God does. I have not been able to raise my left arm. Is this my left one, baby? Yes. <laughs> I get them confused. <laughs> Literally, I have not been able to raise my left arm. I fell. All right, I fell. Yeah, I was wearing high heels, too. At McDonald's, because they mopped the floor and didn't put out a caution cone. And I walked on there on the tile in my heels, and I fell. But I, I'm lifting my arms. Hallelujah principles can't heal your arm can they but God can please understand I'm not saying principles aren't important because I believe they're extremely important I kind of carry the banner for principles around here I, I I love principles they play a major role in the structure and the systems of a church they maintain and they facilitate what God is doing and without them the church would not grow and people would not grow we can't just do whatever we want whenever we want however we want there are certain principles that we follow from God's word but principles without God's presence are powerless and I'm so thankful for his presence here today. It was God's presence that changed my life. And his presence can and I know already has changed your life too. And that is why we place such a huge, huge emphasis on God's presence here at Grace Fellowship Church. And because we were taught by two amazing people. In John 15, 1 through 8. Jesus gives the analogy of a vine. By the way, I wrote a book on this. It's called Abide. But he gives this analogy of a vine and its branches. And Jesus said this. I'm going to read it to you. John 15, 1 through 8. You can follow along in your Bible. It will be on the screen. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That's not the fun part. But the outcome is good, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean. <laughs> oh, I love that. Because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For without me, without me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. 
You think you can. We try all the time, but we can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you by this. My father is glorified that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So you see, just as the branch is completely dependent on the vine, we are completely, completely dependent on Christ. Totally dependent. Just as the branch can do nothing apart from the vine, we can do nothing apart from Christ. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit apart from the vine, we cannot bear fruit apart from Christ. Obviously, Abiding in Christ is a big part of discipleship. Apart from him, we can do nothing. So apart from him, we cannot become like him. Have you ever tried on your own strength to become like Christ? We find out real quick we can't do it. All this time, church, maybe you thought you were doing it, but I have news for you. It isn't you. There's nothing in you. All your righteousness is not enough to make you righteous. But Jesus Christ is, and the blood of Jesus Christ will make you righteous. The vine, we must abide in the vine. In Bible days, people understood what Jesus said Because the vineyard was so extremely important in the life, in the economy of of Israel. It's beautiful language to them and they understood it. Vineyards adorn the landscape. We've been there and we have seen them. And every Jew understood the relationship between the vine and the branches. They understood because they worked with these vines and these branches. They understood that the vine supplied nourishment. It supplied nourishment to all the branches. They understood that they had to stay connected to Christ in order to receive the life and the power that comes only from him. We have to stay connected. This is very important. This this was exciting to me when I discovered this for the first time. Jesus did not just say that he was the vine. He said he was the true vine. Isn't that good? I just love that. To say that Jesus is the true vine and we're the branches, that's saying that Jesus is the source of all nourishment for our souls. He is our life and breath, our power, our strength, our hope, our wisdom, our joy, our peace, our deliverance, our healing, our provision. He is our all and all. And apart from him, we can do nothing. So since Jesus is the true vine, that means what? There must be false vines. There must be counterfeit vines. Maybe we think money. Come on, you know we do. Or power or success or things or people or whatever it might be. That new car is going to nourish our souls. But counterfeit vines never will nourish our soul. We find that out real quick, don't we? 
They leave us feeling empty if we are not connected to the vine. Only Jesus, our true vine, can bring fruit in our lives. And it can only happen, listen, if we abide in the true vine. Nourishment and growth in our souls only happens when we abide in the true vine. So let's, I want you to listen to what it means to abide in the vine. In the passage in John 15, the Greek word for abide is meno. It makes me think of that Hollywood movie about the little fishes. <laughs> but, oh, wait, that's a minnow. No, I don't know. Just remember, meno. You know what meno means, which is what abide means? Stay in a certain place. Where do you think that place is? The noun is abode, which means the place where we live the King James Version translated, translated it as continue, dwell, endure, remain, and stand. Webster's defines it as to remain stable. I live with the most stable person on the planet. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. He lives with the biggest roller coaster on the planet. <laughs> Somewhere in there together we find the balance, right? So if you put this all together, here's the combined meaning of, of abide. Let this sink in, okay? Come on. It means to stay in a certain place, our abode where we live, to continue, dwell, endure, remain, and stand, to remain stable, and to stand fast. So you see, abiding in Christ means... You make your home in him, and you stay there. You stay there. You don't run every time things get tough or don't go your way. You abide. You stay. So then how does that apply to our spiritual lives? Where are we supposed to stay and live and dwell? What are we supposed to endure and how? How do we remain stable? That's the big question. And stand fast. Here's how. We need to be so connected to Jesus, our true vine, that we live there. We dwell there. We make our abode in his presence. We're not visitors. We're permanent residents. And we draw life, life from him, our true vine. We continue in worship, prayer, and the word. And I'm going to talk about all that next week when I talk about how to abide in Christ. What do we do to abide? Today I'm just introducing what abide is. Next week I'm going to talk about how we do that. But we live there. And here's the thing. Hear me now. When Satan attacks, and guess what? He will. When he attacks us or life is difficult, we endure, we remain, and we stand fast as we draw from him. We get our sustenance from him, our true vine. We stay connected and we remain stable, and that's what it means to abide. But I want you to understand this. I'm not giving you a magic formula here. There are no magic formulas for abiding in Christ. There's no quick fix. It is a lifelong process. You can't just hear this sermon as good as it is. 
and voila. It's all going to happen and you're never going to slip. We all know that's not true. It's not a quick fix. It's a lifelong journey. You can't just hear a sermon and now it's all going to be good forever. But on the contrary, here's what abiding is. <laughs> it's all-encompassing. It's all-consuming. We have our ear tuned to heaven. We see with our spiritual eyes. We know we have this relationship with our creator, our maker, our God. And it will require everything. We have to give and more. This is where a lot of people miss it. They don't want to pay the price, but there is a price to pay. It will require everything. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's not for cowards. And it's not for the faint of heart. We cry, oh God, I want to know you. I want to be like you. Change me, God. And a trial or a testing comes our way. And we're, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I wasn't expecting that. It's not for cowards. It will call us to live, but require us to die to ourselves. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. I know this. I know you know this. Because in those Shady Grove years, probably the first 10 I was there, I struggled so much with things like guilt and depression and condemnation, and discouragement, disappointment, and a lot of fear. I had all of these active in my life. My life, I would literally wake up depressed, and I would go to bed and repeat the whole process the next day. Go to bed depressed, wake up depressed. I lived in pain. I had fear that imprisoned me. I was like suffocating spiritually. And no matter how hard I tried, I just couldn't make it stop. There were so many strongholds in my life. And yes, I was a born-again, Bible-believing Christian. Baby, I can't see that clock. There's a glare on it. I cannot see that clock. He's always like, well, you're not looking at the clock? Well, I'm looking, and now I can't see it. So, Oh, but I have a watch on. I didn't even think about that. So, And I can raise my arm to look at it, so we're good. So I was living like this. It, it was miserable. I was sold out to God. I was born again. I went to church every time the doors were open. I did it all, but it all wasn't enough. Something was missing. Something had to change. I didn't know how to abide in Jesus Christ. And part of the reason it took me so long, listen, it doesn't take everybody that long. I had so much baggage from my past. My mom and dad separated when I, my mom was pregnant with me, so I was really unwanted. I didn't have a relationship with my mother. She never said, I loved you. She never hugged me. We were sort of poor. Uh, I was unwanted because my mother was separating from my father. I was a financial burden. My mother remarried an alcoholic, and he sexually abused me. So all of this... I know many of you understand what I'm talking about. Fear, rejection, worthlessness just plagued me. But it was the, the abuse, really, that hindered my ability to abide. I was like in this spiritual prison, and, and it took me a decade to escape that. But guess what? I did escape. Hey, I might be a little slow, but I got there. 
a little bit of a late bloomer. But I learned to abide in Christ. Now, my life really does have a lot of victory. Of course, we all have trials. I've, I've been experiencing some health issues, minor health issues. But those things are trials, right? But I live in victory more than I do defeat. That doesn't mean I don't have struggles. But no matter what, this is one of the keys. No matter what, this I know. In him, in you, Jesus, I live and I move and I have my being in him. What more could anybody ask for, really? So my life is in Christ. Nothing is too difficult for any of us when we abide. He gets me through every second of every minute of every hour of every day if I abide in him. And there's an important concept if we can to want to comprehend the vine analogy. We are not our source. Jesus is our source. People are not our source. Jesus is our source. Our boss is not our source. Jesus is our source. Our spouse is not our source. Jesus is our source. Sometimes I do get that one confused. But I know who my source is. Jesus is the vine. He nourishes us. He provides for us. He sustains us. Relationship with God is the most important relationship in all of our lives. Your spouse, your children, your relatives, your friends, your pastor, your counselor, your boss, your doctor, your accountant. I don't know why I threw that one in there. No other relationship on this earth compares to your relationship with God. Nothing does. Listen, no, I'm going to tell you something. No one cares like God. No one understands you like God. So are you, are you, I ask you today, the all-important question, are you abiding in him? Because there are consequences when we don't abide in Christ. Think about every failure you've ever experienced in your life. Every mistake you've ever made, every sin you've ever committed, these are the consequences of falling away from abiding in Christ. It's harder to do evil when you're encompassed by good. Light and darkness cannot exist together. Walk in the light. There, ha there has to be a disconnect in order for sin to exist. And that is why abiding is the answer to our sin problem. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Making sure I'm, not, I'm turning my pages two at a time. Abiding is the key. John 15, 4 says it this way. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Moving forward, which is our theme right now, in faith and discipleship only happens if we abide in the true vine. Many of you have probably heard one of the most popular weight loss trends right now in fitness is called intermittent, intermittent fasting. It's an eating pattern that doesn't focus on what you eat, but when you eat. So you cycle between these periods. I know people who are doing this of fasting for a certain amount of time and then eating. But please listen to me. Understand this. That works in physical health, but it does not work in spiritual health. 
Way too many Christians, way too many Christians are trying to get by on intermittent following, intermittent discipleship, intermittent obedience. No, 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 no. A thousand times no. Come on. You can't follow Jesus some of the time. You have to follow Jesus all of the time. You don't get to pick and choose when and where and what and how you follow Jesus Christ. His word has told us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, give us revelation right now. Hallelujah. Because that is the opposite of abiding. Remember, it's the place you live, you dwell, you make your home there, you stay there. And if you get out, you turn and run back as fast as you can. Abiding in Christ should be constant, not intermittent. Have you ever noticed? I have. I've done it myself. But people will praise God so wholeheartedly when everything is going well. But as soon as life gets difficult, as soon as finances are tight or they lose their job or a child rebels or a friend hurts them, first thing, start questioning God or doubt the word or quit attending church. As soon as things get tough, they stop trusting And they go back to living in doubt and defeat. I know we're human. I know we're human. But if we can ever get it and catch this, God can do no wrong. God can do no wrong. And as soon as we stop trusting and living in doubt and defeat, the Bible calls this double-minded. James 1, 5 through 8 says, ask for wisdom. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea. Blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. Whoa. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. I want you to remember, one of the definitions of of abide means to remain stable. So if we're not stable, we're double-minded and we're going to receive nothing. If someone is unstable, they are not abiding in Christ. When you are in Christ, you have the mind of Christ. You think his thoughts. You have his desires. You want his will. Romans 8, 6 through 9 says, the mind of the sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit of God. If God lives in you. If you don't abide in Christ, you're controlled by sin. You won't submit to God or please God. You will be double-minded and unstable. But it doesn't have to be that way. Because when we abide in Christ, we're stable. We're not double-minded. When you abide, your mind is controlled by the Spirit of God. And you have peace. Listen to this. Weist's Word Studies says, Abiding is a permanence of position. Occupying 
occupying a place as one's dwelling place, maintaining unbroken communion and fellowship with, one another, with, another, with another, to depend on him for spiritual life as the branch depends on the vine, take up permanent residence in him. And he supplies us with spiritual energy to produce fruit through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now that definition leads no doubt that abiding means consistent stability in your life. Stability, hear me, stability is proof of abiding. And this, this stability is produced by the power of God. Remember that. We can't do it, but God can. And it sustains us in the good times and the bad times. How, have you ever noticed how easy it is to abide when everything is going our way? Oh, I got this. Oh, yeah, I'm abiding all right. When life is good and our prayers are answered, there's money in the bank and the house is clean and your spouse listens to you and agrees with you. <laughs> that, oh, that makes it so easy. That, that's what I need anyways. When our children obey, when our friends accept us, when our boss appreciates us and when dreams come true. But what about the 364 days of the year, the rest of them? The other 364 days of the year. Because life is difficult. Remember, and I'm about to close here. Abide means to continue, dwell, remain, endure, and stand. To remain stable and to stand fast. I'm repeating it because I want you to get it. Listen to the antonyms of abide. Oh, this is good. Escape. Ouch. Evacuate. Get out. Abandon, forsake, and vacate. What do you do when times get tough? Do you escape, evacuate, get out, abandon, forsake, and vacate? Or do you worship? <laughs> Come on. Do you get in the word? Do you call out to Jesus? I, I've heard people say, we both have, well, I haven't been in church for a while, pastors, because... We're going through some really, really hard times, and we want to go, what? That's all the more reason you need to be in church. That would be like someone saying, I haven't gone to the doctor because I'm sick. It's like, really? But it, we do it. Thayer's Greek lexicon says it like this. To abide means, oh, something, we know it's God, has established itself permanently within my soul. And always exerts its power in me. The moment you begin to doubt. The moment you engage fear. Or unforgiveness. Or bitterness. Or self-pity. Or any sin at that moment. You lose power. It's the moment you cease to abide. Just as electricity provides power for a light bulb. In order for it to produce light. Jesus provides power to us when we abide in him. When we are connected to him, he provides light and life. When we are disconnected, there is no power or light or life. That's why we don't just need to occasionally connect with him. We need to abide, remain, stay forever in his presence. And when we do, he changes our life. So since... Becoming like Christ is the goal of discipleship. 
Discipleship does not happen without abiding in Christ. You must abide in Christ for your life to change. You must abide in Christ in order to become like Christ. And here it is, church. When you abide in Christ, stand up right now and hear this. He takes your sin and he makes you righteous. I want you to stand. You're going to stand as a sign that you're hearing this. He's going to take your sin and make you righteous. He's going to take your addiction. That's prophetic right there. And set you free. When you abide, you move from a place called fear to a place called faith. From a place called anger to a place called self-control. From a place called bitterness to a place called forgiveness. When you abide, he turns the ashes of your life into beauty. He turns your mess into your message. He turns your sadness into gladness, your failure to success, your discouragement to hope, your weakness into strength, your hurt into healing. He can even turn can't into can and won't into will. Are you abiding in Christ? What an awesome, awesome God that we serve. Hallelujah. I'm excited. Yeah, he, he's not the one that minds the time. <laughs> but I can't ask everyone else to do it if I don't do it, right? I want to address for just a moment those who are not in Christ. If you don't know Christ and you're hearing this message, maybe you're out there on the camera, land, whatever. God can change your life. If you will ask him in, you may not even know exactly what to say. But just ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. He died for us that we could have this. I can't imagine a life without it. It changes everything when we know who we are in him. When we abide in him, we're washed, we're clean. So no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've gone through, if you're here today or you're listening, the spirit of the Lord is drawing you. And you can ask him to come into your life, come into your heart. Uh, Prayer team, please come down. If you want to pray this morning for more of abiding in your life, for for staying in the presence of God, for salvation, healing, whatever your need is this morning. These are mighty, mighty prayer warriors. These are men and women of God who will pray for you and believe with you and challenge you to abide in Jesus Christ so that you can bear fruit for God. Amen.